So good morning. Good morning, everyone. It's so good to be here. And um, my name is Tammy and I'm on the, um, currently on the pastoral team here at Central Vineyard because, um, as you know, Steve and I um, will be uh, stepping off soon and we'll be uh, leaving in the summer to go and plant a church in Milton Keynes. And actually, last time I spoke, I said it was the last time, but I lied. I'm here one more time. So you've got me again. Um, but here at Central Vineyard, we're um, doing a series from the New Testament book of Acts um, and it's entitled Gathered. You know, so we're looking at what are we gathered for? Why don't we all just go and do our own thing? We managed it for a couple of years, didn't we? So why are we here? Why does God pull us together in a church community? Is there a purpose for that? You know, and Paul opened um, that series for us about being gathered to be with Jesus. And Michelle shared about gathering to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. And I really recommend it if you haven't heard that to to log on to the podcast and catch up. You know, and today I'm inviting us to explore another reason to gather. And that is the Lord calls the church to gather for the purpose of leading. We're gathered to lead. Every one of us is called to live a life where we are leading people into the purposes of God upon their lives. I've got a slide just coming up now. So this, this motley crew up here, this slide, this is our staff team. Gorgeous, aren't they? And um, our staff, they all serve and lead in roles and they all do great things you know, and actually there's, there's individual pictures on there, but we serve and lead as one body. We've got, a, we've got hands and feet, we've hearts. Thankfully, we've got some brains in there. We've got some mouths and we've got some muscles and we've got all the bits that make a body. And they are called for the purpose to lead and serve people into the purposes of God. And that team um, that Anya spoke about, the Restore team, within that, um, our char- the charity of Central Vineyard, she is absolutely 100% speaking correctly when she says we need to be behind them because this is the church in action. And so much incredible work goes on behind the scenes um, every single day of the week. You know, the, the team are leading people to see a different way of living for their life, a life beyond the expectations that some of our guests have. You know, we are all working towards inviting people into a life of Jesus. And as Anya said, how can we play your part in that? How are you going to lead people to Jesus? You know, how do we define what that leader is? You know, there's a ton of definitions of leaders. You know, if you searched what is a leader, you're going to get a lot of explanations. But actually, a leader is someone who sees things that need to be improved. And that person rallies people towards that better vision for life. A leader has a better vision to do things, and they gather people to that. A leader is a person who influences others to serve God's purposes in the world. And actually, I, I, I believe for any of us who are sitting here right now, you know, if you say to yourself, I am a follower of Jesus, but you have no desire to influence others to serve God's purpose in the world, I honestly think 
we probably need to question that because how can we truly be followers of Jesus and not care to influence anyone else into that? I don't think we can. God's good and loving purposes aren't just for us, they're for others. And we have the opportunity to draw people into that. You know, and, and just even that one thing that Anya has shared this morning is an amazing opportunity amidst many opportunities. Maybe this is the first time you've heard about Restore and you think, I'm not free Monday, but I'm free Tuesday, or I'm free Wednesday, or I'm free Thursday. There is something that they will get you to do. So do be in contact, even if it's not for a Monday. So first of all, let's pray, and then we're going to turn um, to Acts 6. Father, I just pray this morning that you will reveal your word to us in a, a new and fresh way. Speak to us, Lord Jesus. Plant seeds in us, Father, the, in the parts of our heart that you will allow to grow. And just wash away the other stuff, Lord. Amen. So, Acts 6, in your Bible, Acts 6, 1, the words are going to appear on the screen. So, if you haven't uh, bought your Bible, they're there. As we say, it's always good to bring your Bible because you can check that we're not telling you uh, some made-up words. So, here we go. In those days, when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give them our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Procurus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenas, and Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. So let's think about that. In the days when the, when the number of disciples were increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So maybe a little bit of uh, background um, to that dispute that might help you out. So the Hellenistic Jews, or they may have been called Grecian Jews, literally means they were able to speak Greek. They were from Greece. Jews were generally drawn from other parts of the Roman Empire. And they were Jewish people speaking Greek as their first language. And quite often they went to synagogues for service. And the services were conducted in Greek. And these Jews were shaped by the Greek philosophy and the Greek culture that they were part of. And then there was the Jews that were called the Hebraic Jews, the Hebrew Jews. Many of these Jews probably came from around the promised land. They conducted their services not in Greek, but often in Hebrew. The language that these Jews would have spoken at home was probably Aramaic, so they, which was, is quite a close language to the Hebrew language. Um, but also these Hebraic Jews 
probably spoke Greek too. They were bilingual, but actually they were uncomfortable with the degree to which some Jews had adopted the Greek culture um, and speaking and in being involved in that language. So already there's some diversity that is taking place um, in the camp. You know, and I don't know about you, but quite often or not, and, and it's been really apparent um, in current times that diversity can cause problems. You know, you can look around our church here at Central Vineyard. We're, we're not just reaching a single generation. We're not just young. We're not just old. You know, we've got baby boomers together. We've got Gen Xers. We've got millennials, Gen Zers. Is that them all? I don't know. Um, <laughs> you know, we have different economic diversity. We have educational diversity. We've got varied political perspectives. We're never going to touch that one, are we? Because there's nothing anyone could say that wouldn't be controversial or offensive to someone else at any given point. You know, we want to draw people in from different backgrounds, different nations, different cultures. And we've got different family backgrounds within that. And we're all trained to approach life so differently. You know, it, technically, it is so much easier to create a group of people or a church who are all exactly like us. We could all be exactly the same in our political in our age, in our education, in the teams we support and the foods we like, because that's a basic sociological principle that like attracts like, you know, birds of a feather flock together. But actually, that doesn't take a miracle. That's just sociology. But what we want to do is create a church and a community that can only be held together by the miracle working God. When we gather, we want people to look at us and say, oh, only Jesus could have done that. Oh, Jesus is the only reason we can all come together in agreement in one space. It's a miracle, really. Um, and, you know, we touched on it this morning, but it's like when you give your life to Jesus and you make that decision that Jesus is going to be Lord, it's one of the best decisions you make. But one of the immediate things you may face is backlash. You may find people disagreeing with you, particularly if you come from a different culture or religion where Jesus isn't accepted. You know, and we can, we, we can maybe assume that there may have been a problem for the, for the Grecian widow, widows is because they were Jewish women who would have normally been cared for by their local synagogues. But these um, Jewish women had given their lives to Jesus. They'd become followers of Jesus. They believed that Jesus was the Messiah, you know, and that would have been a bit uh -uh in some places. And so that welfare system that was administered by the synagogues cut them off. Can't be entirely sure about that because we weren't there, but we can assume that these poor widows who had come to Jesus had lost their financial support from the local synagogues because of their Christian faith. You know, and they didn't, they were widows and they may not have had family that were local to them in the promised land to care for them. You know, the church was the only place. There was no welfare safety net. You know, and you have to think about how church is going to respond in a crisis. Actually, we know here at Central Vineyard and Restore, we know how we would respond in a crisis. And that's because 
as Anya said, 13 years ago, one person in a small group said, can I start a food bank? 13 years ago, and it's grown to this organization and charity that we call Restore. And during the pandemic, the Restore team worked to ensure that hundreds of families across our town didn't go without food and basic needs. It was estimated that around 5,000 adults and children were fed in that first year of the pandemic because of the work they were doing. You know, the food that, that, that was given out through the food bank uh, was estimated at about £54,000 worth of groceries. In addition to that, um, £7,000 worth of cleaning products, toiletries, nappies, you know, and baby care. That's just a small fraction of what they did through the pandemic, you know, because that's what we're called to do as the church. We're called to step up in a crisis. You know, there was no argument behind closed doors that was like, well, do we only serve this group, that group? You know, are we going to be particular about that? It wasn't. It was like, we're going to serve those in need, regardless of their status or their religious belief. Because for a lot of families during that crisis, Restore was their only safety net. You know, but to have a church and, it's, and, and a charity organization step up in times of crisis, it requires leadership. It requires us to be on that same page. So here's what we read in verses 2 and 3. It says, So the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. You know, they gathered together, they saw the problem and they decided that they were going to address the problem. And if we're going to be gathered here to lead others, we need to be people that address problems you know the, the apostles could have met and just said well you know it might just go away if we ignore it we could just sweep it under the rug they could have just said well actually we can't do it so let's just not bother you know they could have just said oh well those those widows were just a bit whiny so um, we'll just just ignore it but the apostles were good leaders and good leaders address problems you know, we know in the world, if we avoid problems, it's no way to lead. If, if, if you run a business, if you avoid a problem at the start, it's going to be an even bigger problem as you grow. If you've got a family, that family has to be led. Leading the church, we have to lead. We can't avoid problems that arise. And problems are way easier to deal with when they're small than when they get big. I've got children, I know. I think, is it Proverbs that says if you like leave a child, if you don't discipline your child when they're young, you can just expect them to be dead, you know, sort of thing. You don't desire their death. But, you know, anyone that's raised a child will know, even if, if you haven't got older children yet, it's, it's easier to implement some rules and, and processes for, a, for a, five, a challenging five-year-old than it is to decide to put that in place when you've got a challenging 15-year-old. You're not challenging, Beth, I love you. Sorry, I just say that. Um, you know, you're not going to get the same results. 
How about challenging a credit card bill when it's £100 rather than waiting for a credit card bill that's a £10,000 debt? How about if you're newly married, just ignoring the problems and not listening and, and perhaps pushing into dealing with some of those patterns of communication breakdown or differences that you don't like in each other? If you leave it for years and years and years, you're going to become um, very bitter and it's hard. It's hard to format something that's gone hard, you know. Wet clay, you know, you can form that into a pot. If you leave it to go hard and dry, you're going to have to smash it and start again. You know, it's, it's not good. You want to take problems at the start. It's like being at school. You get your homework, and you're like, it's great, I know what I'm doing, and you leave it till the night before. And then you're like, oh, no, oh, no, I can't remember. Or, like, you get that essay you've got to do, it's really long, and then you're like, it's the start of this holiday, so it's like, it's fine, it's fine, I've got, like, two weeks, I'll do it. Start it at the start of the holidays. That's my piece of advice to you if you're doing essays. Start it when you get it, because by the time the end of the holiday comes, you're going to not really feel like doing it. Um, so we need to lead... Well, so we need to press into what are the problems and we need to grow in that. So verse three, brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We'll turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and ministry of the word. The proposal pleased the group. They chose blah, 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 loads of people. And they presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. You know what, what I've come to recognize just through um, the years of ministry that I've had is that many of us um, and even many leaders actually don't know who they are. They spend a lot of the time trying to be someone they are not. Actually, as people, when we discover our calling, we discover our own created identities in God we stop trying to be someone else. To be a leader, to be effective, you need to know who you are. You know, they were very clear when they kind of proposed that. They were like, well, we need to give our attention to the prayer and ministry of the word. We need some other people to give their attention to this because the good leaders know who they are. They know who they're not. They know their calling and they give themselves to that. And when the apostles said that, it wouldn't be right to neglect the ministry of the word of God and wait on tables. And they were clear in apportioning those roles. Um, the word they use there, um, it's a Greek word, and it's called diakonia. Diakonia. I'm probably saying that wrong, and my friend who speaks Greek is going to tell me. Um, so that's a special kind of help to any people in need at other times. It means to serve, literally to serve at tables, and still others refer to the distribution of financial resources. It's where we get our word deacon from. And the apostles were saying, listen, we know there's lots of different ways to serve. We're going to do this. You need to do that. And we need to be in agreement with that. <coughs> I think it's really important that we press into that, that we know the things that God has laid on our hearts. Because when we walk into the things that God has laid on our hearts, we can be raised up 
and qualified to lead in a different way than we've ever been before. We can be qualified to lead others too into the life that God has called them. You know, sometimes you're, you're on a journey of faith with the Lord and, and these are things that you might not have even worked out yet. You know, you might see through the year different things, um, equip nights that we advertise. You know, they are really good spaces for you to sign up to just really get to know yourself and build upon your faith with Jesus. I really recommend it. The current one we just had to postpone because of um, COVID, but look out for the next equip nights. You know, we want to be qualified to lead. And in Acts 3, back in Acts 3, it gives us um, some qualifications for a church leader. It says, brothers and sisters, choose seven men among you who are known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them. And actually, I do like the NIV because it's a very simple um, read. But, you know, there is a word I think that's missing from the translation in the NIV um, because in the original Greek, um, it had a third word. Um, and there's some versions that will say, therefore, brothers, pick, pick out among you seven men of good repute, full of spirit and wisdom. Um, a repute means just reputation. And I'm guessing they took it out because we don't, I don't know, maybe some people walk around using the word repute still. I don't. Um, so it's, I'm going to pick on these three points because it gives us the ability to know what kind of person we need to head towards becoming. You know, we want to be a person that has a good reputation. We want to be a person that is filled with the Holy Spirit. And we want to be a person that has wisdom. I think one of the major problems um, that we probably have in the church world today is that sometimes we can neglect those traits. You know, we've traded those for uh, the, the criteria of worldly leadership. We think it's gifting and charisma and talents. You know, we've often challenged people who have told us their talents because we're going to go, well, we're going to just check out what your character is first because character for us is more important than your gifting. You can grow in your gifts, you know, but you've got to have the character to do that. We want to ask if potential leaders have a good reputation. Are they full of the spirit? Are they wise? If we're going to be gathered to lead, if we're going to be followers of Jesus, and we want to be people who influence and um, encourage others to accomplish God's purpose in the world, we need to have a good reputation. Proverbs 22 verse 1 says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. I warned Timothy regarding qualifications um, for being a leader in the church. He says he must have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. So that's a good question to ask ourselves, isn't it? What's your reputation? Do you know what your reputation is? You know, what is maybe some of the things that um, your colleagues say about you in your work environment? What's said when your name is mentioned? What's the first thing that maybe your next door neighbor would say about you? What is something your roommate at uni would say or your fellow students in your classes? What do your sports teammates say about you? 
You, would they say that you were a great person, that they understood that you were a Christian, that you were a hard worker, that you were an encourager, that you were the best employee they'd ever had? Would they be, would they be at a loss if you went from that environment? You know, or would we say that our reputation might be a bit negative? Would we be classed as unre- unreliable? Would we be classed as being uh, a difficult hire? Would we be classed as always falling out with someone, being labelled a complainer? You know, our reputation is is what's going to land us in the place that we can walk alongside people. We want to be the sort of people that people thank God for. You know, maybe you don't like some of the answers to those reputation questions for yourself, but God can help you. He won't leave you there. You don't have to stay in that place. You don't have to walk with that. Anybody can change when they come towards the Lord and put their trust in him. There is hope. And actually what I want to do here, just thinking about this, is that I want to separate reputation from popularity. I think the world would tell us that you have to be popular in order to have a good reputation. And that's a lie from the enemy. And I see that, you know, I've got, I've got teenagers in school. I see it. You know, everyone wants to be, and it carries on through adulthood. It doesn't end at school. Everyone wants to be with the popular crowd or with the popular kids or with this. You know, but why do you want to go with the popular crowd if it means giving up something of yourself that God has called you to do and be? God has called you, he has chosen you, he has created you. You know, if to step into that circle, you would have to give up those parts of yourself. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. Anyway, that's by the by. Good reputation. Leaders need to be full of the spirit. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the spirit. The apostles never confused secular leadership with spiritual leadership. You know, it doesn't matter if you're a CEO of a corporation, a business. It doesn't matter if you're a professor in a university with a PhD, a famous politician or a football player. None of those things qualify you for leadership in Jesus' church. We must never confuse that secular leadership with spiritual leadership because we have big problems in the church if we make someone um, in charge um, just because they've got good leadership skills in the world. The bottom line requirement for leadership in the church is being spirit-filled. You know, what's it mean, actually, though, to be filled by the Holy Spirit? Well, it means you're a person who regularly submits your thoughts, your emotions, your decisions, your direction to the Holy Spirit you involve and include him in every decision that's made. You're a person who regularly, if not daily, welcomes the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit. Not because the Holy Spirit goes away, it's just that we're joining in and acknowledging that the Holy Spirit is there. You know, you want to be guided by the Spirit. You want the Spirit to be leading in the decision-making that you have. 
in your finances, in your relationships. You want to yield yourself regularly to the Holy Spirit. So ask yourself that. Am I a Holy Spirit-dominated person? Is that something that I am regularly doing? Am I inviting the Holy Spirit to say, come, take control of this, your way, not mine? So we want to have a good reputation and we want to be filled with the Spirit. And last but not least, we want to be wise. The apostles showed wisdom in their selection. They understood they were dealing with a crisis. They understood that they weren't necessarily the ones who were going to deal with that crisis. But they knew that they were dealing with a, uh, with a crisis that was sensitive, one that had racial division. But they wanted someone to lead that. They wanted someone to lead and speak to the Greeks who were complaining. You know, and according to the book of Proverbs, wisdom is a skill of living. A person is wise when they have skill in relating to God, skill in relating to all kinds of people. A person is wise when they have skill in dealing with a manner of different circumstances. They have skills in managing their money, skills in offering loving, compassionate kind of advice to people. They have skills in navigating conflict. And these are the questions we need to ask ourselves. Does if we're going to invite and we're going to lead, we just sort of think about ourselves. Does our life generally work well? If we're married, how's our marriage looking? Does it work well? Do our relationships work well? Are we regularly someone that's sought after for advice and counsel? Do we know how to handle tricky situations? Or are we all just like bulls in china shops, you know, just knocking off um, the priceless vases, you know, smashing into everything? Are our relationships a mess? It's good to take stock because if we're someone who wants to influence others to fulfill God's purpose, then there's some areas here that we need to start focusing on. We want to have that good reputation to be filled with the spirit and to bring wisdom. And every one of us is called to live that life where we are leading people into the purposes of God upon their lives. It just takes a bit of growth for us. Let's just stand Father, you are with us. You are with us, Father God, and you create opportunities for us to to be in your midst. But more than that, you give us the gift to be able to see others brought into that space too. And Lord, you choose us. You choose us mostly when we're not at our best, because you love us and you care for us. And we trust that you would only bring this wisdom to us for growing in our life because you want the best for us and you want the best for your created world. Come, Lord Jesus, come and speak right now.